what I want to do as we continue in this book of James is um, I get asked this from time to time, and I don't know if you get this, but people ask me, what's my favorite um, version of the Bible? Do you ever get that? What do you guys like? I'm just curious. New King James? And why do you like that? Don't know? Okay. <laughs> right, you grew up with the King James. Yep. Yeah, and the New King James kind of takes out the these and thous and makes the King James a little more readable, and it's, it's a little more up-to-date. I think that, yeah, that's a great version. What else do you guys like? Okay, I heard New Living, and I heard New American. Who said New American? New, New American Standard? And what, why do you like that? Yep, the New American Standard is closest in a sense, in a way, that's true. And it's similar to the New King James in that uh, what the King James does and the New American Standard is they maintain the, the word order, the syntax with the Hebrew and the Greek. So it reads almost like a literal translation. But it doesn't always convey necessarily the meanings, it conveys the words, the words order. So in that sense, it is closest. That's true. Somebody said New Living Translation, which, which is one of the newest translations that we have. How many grew up, though, quoting King James? I love the King James. I mean, in a, for, for, oh, before I get into that, Saturday we are hosting the Weather Spotter training again. And we're going to have uh, different ones from the National Weather Service. Brian Busby will be here again. And um, it'll be a, a good training. So that'll happen here on Saturday. It's always fun to do that because we get so many people in the building who do not probably go to church. And every time we do this, I have people come up to me and ask me about the church and they're curious about it. And so that's, it's always a good, good community outreach for us. This is just a little picture of the King James. I mean, I grew up with the King James like most of us. You know, the King James was, um, was written in the year 1611. And King James, the reason we call it King James is it was commissioned by King James, who was the Scottish king who united the British and the Scottish throne and a Protestant, so he wanted the Bible to be available to everybody. So he commissioned with the best amount of documents that they had at the time and about, uh, about 70-some translators, and they put the King James Bible together. And it was, it was nearer this time where they started putting in the, verse, the verses and putting in the, the, the um, chapter designations, because before that, none of that was in there. You knew that, right? That it used to be just one flowing document, didn't have all those breaks in there, but they did that to help us with our reading and but there's a problem with that sometimes. And the problem is a lot of times we get locked into just certain verses we like, and there's nothing wrong with liking verses. I want us to like verses. But then we, we tend to not necessarily read the rest of it around it. But, but I grew up with it. It's majestic. It's classic. It's, it's what you know. I learned. I, a lot of the quotations that I'm most familiar with come from that time in my childhood. And, but then when I was a kid, something happened. Something A, a form of the Bible came out that, that made the Bible... And I mean this, I, I try not to use the word literally very often, but it literally came alive for me. And I hope you don't laugh at me, but this is what it was. Oh, my goodness. This remote, I'm going to smash it. Okay, what it was, it wasn't this one. I couldn't find a copy of it. And mine that I had, I asked, I, called, I, I read it so much that it, 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 it was destroyed. What it was was a comic book version of the Bible, but it had the actual text of the Bible. Now, this isn't 
This isn't Bible text in these words here, but it was a comic book version that was a whole Bible, and it had the whole Bible, all the text. And so there would be places where it wouldn't, it wouldn't fit to do cartoons or whatever, but so they would, they would just write it in there. I read that over and over and over and over, and it came alive to me. Here's, here's my, my desire for you tonight, that the Bible itself, we're not going like to show a bunch of different Bibles or anything, but my desire is it will come alive for you, and it would become a living, breathing document that, that it's meant to be. Because what, what God has done for us by giving us the Bible is it's literally his word. Now, the Bible is so diverse. You know, obviously, in the Old Testament, it starts off with the books of the law. Then you have, you have some of the uh, poetic books, and then you have historical books, and then you have the prophets. So not all of it's meant to be read the same because it's not the same. Some of it's clearly poetic. Some of it's clearly historical. Some of it is just describing what happened, and it's not at all saying this is how you should live. Someone was asking me um, yesterday about Samson because I guess a movie came out about Samson, and they're asking me about him, and you know what? He's not a character that God intended for you to copy his life, probably in any way. I don't see anything redeeming in him, really. I mean, he was giving an incredible gift, and he was, he was tasked with leading the people of Israel through a really difficult time, and he was selfish, and he was disobedient to his parents, and he, he, he really disdained his gift. If you think about what he did, I mean, there's nothing good about him, really, that we're supposed to emulate. But we're, we're given that story as somebody to look at and see, in some cases, what not to do. In some cases, the Bible just describes what happened. But it's, a, it's something that should come alive to us. And then as you read the New Testament, and as Jesus says to his disciples that he has come and fulfilled the entire Old Testament, and then you see in Christ what is, and you see those Gospels that tell the story about his life and when he was on earth and what he did and said, and then you see the rest of the letters that are in there and then the prophecy at the end. And it's something that just, it comes alive. And then in 19, uh, right around 1970 or so, there was a man named Kenneth Taylor who was frustrated that his kids couldn't read the King James Bible. And so he did what's called a paraphrase. He took the King James and he just turned it into modern English. And that's called the Living Bible. That was a great book. What I'm going to do right here, though, is if we look at this, this is King James. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. I mean, I can hardly quote this verse without saying believeth. I don't know about you, but it just fits. Uh, should not perish, which means die, and we don't use that word very much anymore, but have everlasting life. And then the uh, NIV came out in the, in the mid to late 70s. For God so loved the world, loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then as, as different Bibles came out, you know, you see different versions of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I think this is the New Living Translation. And then uh, this, this version came out not too long ago. It's been a few years, but it was called The Message by Eugene Peterson, which, which is different than a paraphrase. He did put it in modern English, but what he did is he took it from the original languages. So it's not a paraphrase. It is a translation, but it, but it reads very in very common common language. My only hesitation with this version is sometimes it's so common that I wonder if it'll be already out of style again so quick. Now, not in this verse, but as we read this verse, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. And then um, this is, I think, the NIV, for this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
and then the amplified version, which it's it's difficult sometimes if you're just trying to read to read because it's got so it, it amplifies so many of the words that are in there. But for God so greatly loved, isn't that a cool picture of His love? He so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. I love the just how that opens up that that verse even more. That He even gave His one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in Him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. The reason I put all that out there for you because it's something that I, I, when people ask me what's the best translation, you know what I usually say? Whatever one you'll actually read. That's what I say. Whatever one makes sense to you and that you will read. Uh, if someone were to ask me what I think the best is, I mean, there's a lot of ways to qualify that. Like, like uh, we were talking about a minute ago, and as Kay had said, you know, the NASB is considered very close to the original but it's not actually really a true translation in the sense that it doesn't translate always the meanings, it translates the words, and you have to know English enough to know the meaning. So if we're going to measure it like that, that's one thing. But to me, the ultimate measure is which version would you actually read? What I would recommend is find one that you're actually going to read and you can connect to and do that. I get asked this a lot too about reading plans because I mentioned version, that Bible app a lot, and I don't know if you've, I've done reading plans my whole life, whether it was just plan to read, you know, maybe a chapter a day or plan to read a certain book or whatever. And, and when the YouVersion Bible app came out, there, there are a lot of other Bible apps. I've had people come and say, well, which one are you talking about? Because look at all these. And they'll show me their, their iTunes or they'll show me their Play Store. And yeah, there's a lot of Bible apps. And they're good. And I've mentioned this before that Tim Davis here in the church has written his own Bible reading app. I mean, he's brilliant. And some people can do that. I can't. But, but I wanted to... When they ask me, I'll sometimes show them, this is what I do. This is what my reading plan looks like right now. And I'm doing that Professor Horner's Bible reading plan. It's not for everybody, I'll just tell you. And I, I don't know how long I'll do it. I've done it, I've done it through a couple times. It's my third time through, I think. You basically read the Bible through in eight months. It's a lot of reading. But, but when you start doing it, it becomes part of your life. It's not that much. It takes maybe 20 minutes a day, maybe 25 sometimes. It's not very much if you think about it, right? I mean, if you're going to spend time investing in your relationship with God and you're going to read his word, I mean, 20 minutes isn't really that much. But it seems like a lot because I'm, I hesitate to tell you what it is because it sounds nuts, but it, it, it's really, I, I enjoy it. I'm just saying. You read 10 chapters a day from 10 different places in the Bible. So you're reading a, you're reading a chapter from the first five books of the Bible, you're reading, which is the law. You're reading a chapter from the, the poetry, a chapter from the prophets, both the, the minor and the major prophets. If you remember, minor and major is just the way they describe the length of them. Major prophets are longer, minor prophets are shorter. And then a, a chapter from the history books, then a chapter from um, the Gospels, from, from Acts. Oh, and a, a one from Proverbs. So here's what happens. When you read it, as you're reading it, it's amazing to me nearly every day, every single day. I see connections in the word that I never saw before. I'll be reading something that Paul is talking about, and he makes a reference that I never even really noticed before that related to something I just read might be in the book of Leviticus, which typically I wouldn't try to read the book of Leviticus that much. Does that make sense? God has challenged me too because um, there's books that I've avoided over the years just because they weren't particularly, I mean, I haven't read the book of Job until recently. I've read it through, I can't tell you how many times. And I feel like I understand it more, and I feel like God speaks to me more through it because I'm, I've been diligent about reading it, where I, before I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. So 
If you're familiar with this, I'm just going to show you. This is, I just clicked on like the plans because I've done, uh, there's other plans. I just, I mean, there's a ton of them. I mean, you could just look through them forever and ever. But having said that, I just want to just put this thought in your mind. If you want to know more about him, you should read more about what he wrote. You should do it. It will, it will, the more you read, the more you will enjoy it. I would challenge you to do this. You know, maybe reading through the entire Bible is not for everybody, but there is a benefit to it that you may not have thought of. It's not just something to say, well, I read through the whole Bible. I mean, that does nothing. It's not going to really impress very many people and shouldn't because that's not the goal. But what it will do is this. It will force you to read things you may not normally have read. And you will see the Bible more in, in its entirety. And you'll see some of the foundation in the Old Testament, which Jesus fulfills in the New Testament. Some of the things he says will make more sense because you've read them in their original writing, in the original context. It's amazing to see God's whole revelation and how they fit. It'll help you with understanding what, what the Bible actually means because like I mentioned before, when we have favorite verses, sometimes we neglect the area of the Bible that those are in and we don't see the full context of who they are. It's like when you get to know somebody and the more you know them, you, you start to see them in their life setting and you see them with their family and then you see them in their hobbies and you find out what they do for a living. You get this more full picture of who they are. The same is true with the Bible. And the more you read those verses that surround the ones that you really like can help you with that. There's tons, too, of different ways to read the Bible. You know, this, this Bible reading plan I'm, I'm doing, it's, you're, you're supposed to read relatively quickly, not skimming, but read quickly. It's not like a slow thing where you're delving into every word. But if you're going to do that, that can be a great reading plan. I, I would challenge you to do this, too. Maybe you've never done this, and it's, it, it will give you a whole different picture. If maybe you took the book of um, Ephesians, what is that, six chapters long? And you realize it was a letter that was written to be read like a letter. I mean, nobody takes a letter and reads parts of it, right? You read the whole letter. So if you were to read that whole letter, you will see it differently than you've ever seen it before. And if you want to start on a short one, Titus, Philemon, they're short. They're short. And you see something different when you read the whole thing all at once like that. <laughs> I don't know if you're into this. I was going to play you different voices, but... The YouVersion Bible app will read the Bible to you. If you're doing something and maybe you, you can do something that doesn't take a lot of, of your mental energy, maybe it's just the task that you're doing around the garage or something, and then you can have the Bible being read to you, that's, that's another way to do it where you, it, it may seem strange to you, and you may, you may feel like, well, that's not really reading the Bible, but it is. It is in a different way, and the Word is just flowing through you and over you. Maybe you're on a drive, and you just want to hear the Word, and you can set that, and it'll read, and it'll just keep reading it. I mean, it'll even read your, some of the reading plans, it'll read them for you if, that, if you're interested in that. But I'll caution you, I'll just caution you, I, and this is personal, but I don't really like all the voices that read. Is anybody weird like that? Like the NIV guy, I can't do it. Sorry, I just can't do him. He's too theatrical and whatever. And I don't particularly like when they change voices, like if it's a woman's voice and it'll be like, oh, I can't believe this happened. I'm like, oh my gosh, why'd you do that? But I get it. Some people like that. I just don't like that. I'm just saying, that's just me. But I would, I would encourage you to try some different ones. And there's tons of Bible study helps and commentaries and, and different apps. And as we get into this, I'm saying all this. I'm trying to lead you along a path. You realize that the people that were receiving the book of James, they didn't have all that. We've talked about that. They didn't have the Bible. But I want you to understand what they did have and didn't have. They probably didn't even have this. These are actual pictures of fragments of the New Testament in different places. That one on the left is the book of Luke or a part of the book of Luke that they have left. These were written on papyrus. 
But I would, I would venture to say, since James is such an early book, the early Christians that, that James was writing to, they didn't even have this. They didn't have any of this. Now, they would have maybe had access to some of the Old Testament books if they were still connected to the synagogue, but it's possible, too, that those, those Jews were not happy about them becoming Christians and may have limited even their access to that. So that plays into what we're going to read here in a second when we start in this book. But what I want you to understand is this stuff was hard to get, and it wasn't as accessible as what we have today at our fingertips. I mean, we have so much at our fingertips. It's amazing. You may have heard of the library at Alexandria in Egypt. It was one of the wonders of the world at one time. It had over 700,000 volumes in that library. And when the Muslims marched across and took over the Middle East, one of the things they did is burn that to the ground. I don't know if you don't hear that a lot in church history or history, but that's what happened. In fact, they, it, history says that the, that the Arabs who did that, they were able to keep 4,000 baths hot for six months by burning those volumes. So a lot of what we had at the time was destroyed, and that was in 640 AD. It's amazing to think what we've grown up with and just taken for granted, isn't it? How many of you grew up in church? I'm just curious. Right? Just grew up in church. Okay. Um, how many of you grew up going to Sunday school? Yeah, a lot of us. How many, how many would say that you have at least one Bible, like a full Bible? I know I heard a couple of you chuckle. How many would say you've got two? Let's just keep our hands up. I'll just start counting. How many say you have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine? Wow, 10. Okay, 11. How many do you have, Patrick? 20, okay. Charlotte, how many do you have? 15 and 20. I saw another hand was still up over here. I can't. I don't, well. I, I collect, I used to collect like old ones. You know, I go to garage sales and try to collect, you know, old ones. And then I kind of stopped at one point because I had so many. But, um, you know, it's amazing to think of what we have in our, right at our fingertips. It's right there. And now with the internet and computers and our phones, you can pull anything anywhere. I bet if we, if we started to collect all the verses that we have quoted or we can quote, just memorize just in this room, I bet we could come up with probably 100 verses easy. Think about this. Think about how many sermons you've heard. Let's just do a little math here. I already did it for you, so you don't have to think that hard. But let's say we just did 50 weeks in a year and there's 52 weeks in a year. But let's say if you went to church for five years, how many sermons would that be? 250, right? I mean, that's easy math, right? How many, how many of you would say you've been in church 40 years? I have. It's 2,000 sermons, roughly. That's just Sundays. I mean, and I don't know about you, but I grew up going on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, that's a lot of sermons, right? These people who were hearing this, they had none of that. None of that. Not only did they not have the Bible at, at access for them that you have, but they didn't have all that wealth of, of knowledge that's been poured into most of us for a long time. And even if, even if you're a recent Christian and st just started coming to church, the amount of access you have to the truth is, is mind-blowing compared to what they had. They had none of that. So when you read this right now, you're, it's hard for us to even conceptualize the way it would have been received by those early Christians. Because they wouldn't, they wouldn't not only know what you know, but they wouldn't have even had access or know it would even have existed. So I want us to try to put our, our frame of mind into the mind that they would be reading or hearing when they would hear this book as it would have been read. Because 
realize again, most of them wouldn't be even literate probably. I mean, they would have no reason to know how to read and write. Most of them, if they needed to read and write, they'd go to someone who could read and write, and you would pay them to be a secretary for you. They would write it out, and then you would have to just trust that they wrote what you said to write, and then that would get mailed and get back, and then you would have to go to them and have them read it. I mean, that's typical for that time in history and, and for a lot of places in the world as it is now. So even this book wouldn't have been something that they would have handed out, printed and just handed out copies, right? It would have been read to them as a young, small church. So let's Let's jump into this and try not to get offended. James, have you noticed James kind of offensive? He just says it how it is, and he just puts stuff right out there. So let's take a look at this. Oh, that's, a, that's actually another picture of a, a fragment of the uh, book of Isaiah is what that is, and that's in a museum. But here's James, 121. So get rid of all the filth. We could just stop right there, right, and go home. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God the word God has planted in your hearts, for it is the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. Why do you think he said listen? Because that's probably all they had. He, pro- he wasn't going to say, just don't read it, because they weren't reading it. He said listen, because that's, oh my gosh, that's the way that they were getting the word. So don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says you don't, and, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So let's jump in here and and see what in the world he's talking about. First of all, he did say, listen to the word. And he said that because most of them probably couldn't read. And when they were listening to the word, just so you understand how church would have been done for them, it would have been something like this. They would have had either traveling preachers or whoever the preacher was for their church. He would get up and maybe tell some stories about what they knew about what Jesus had done. Or he may, in this case, have read from this letter that was to the churches or if there were church uh, letters circulating to the churches. So he would have read that kind of stuff. And if they had access to some of the Old Testament books, he might have read from one of those. And that's what they would have heard. It would have been the word of God. But just understand, nothing like what you have. You have way, way, way more than they had and more full than what they had. But he's saying to them, listen to this. We have such advantage. And here's a question for you tonight. And I don't mean this to be preachy, but do you hear it? Do you hear the word? What do you do with all the advantage that we have as modern 21st century Christians? I think it was Mark Twain said that the man who can read and doesn't is no better off than the man who can't. Think about that for a minute. We have all the access, but if we don't do anything with it, we're no different than them who didn't have it. If you, if you have the access, take advantage of it as much as you can. So let's get, to this, let's get to this filth thing. What is he saying here? Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Doesn't that sound harsh? I mean, who's he preaching to? He's preaching to Christians, right, at a church. What filth could you possibly have? I mean, really, what is he saying here? This sounds so mean. Get rid of the filth and the evil in your lives, he says. Um, I, I, Here's what I think we need to take away from this, because it can be difficult to hear this kind of thing, and I don't know about you, but I, I don't like getting scolded and yelled at, especially if, like, what did I do? I didn't do anything. I don't know about you, but I start to kind of clam up a little bit and back off and get defensive and think, what is he talking about? Here's what he's talking about. He's telling you, kind of like the way I opened the service tonight, we need to prepare our hearts to hear. The fact is, a lot of times the condition of your heart will prevent you from hearing what God wants to say to you. 
And you, you actually have some control and, and responsibility and preparation to hear. Here's what's interesting about this. It's funny because he could have written, clean out your filthy spiritual ears, which I know sounds weird. But if you look at that word filthy, I had to look at it because I was thinking, why would he use that word? That sounds like a weird word. It, it actually refers to the wax that some people can build up in their ears. And he, he's doing a word play here because he's telling them to listen, but he's telling them they need to get that filthy earwax out so that you can hear. I mean, the Bible is full of this kind of thing where it's, it's, it's in one sense, uh, maybe not something you would talk about at dinner, but in the same sense, it's so real. He, and he does these word plays where he says, clean out your ears so you can hear. Thing is, if your ears are like that, I mean, sin will make you deaf to what God is trying to say. The fact is, he had just said in verse 19 that we need to be quick to hear. Then he says, basically, if we could speak Greek and understand it, he's saying, get that filth out of your ear so it can go into your heart and mind. The truth is, sin is like wax that can clog us up and keep us from actually seeing what God wants us to see. Have you ever wondered how people can just go through the motions and maybe they're at church all the time and everything's going on, or maybe it's you, but not, hopefully not you, but then you still struggle with sin and still struggle to live the life. Like, God, why is it so hard? I'm, I'm doing all the right things. Maybe you're doing all the right things, but that's, that filth is still there in your ear and you can't, you can't see through and you, you come angry and leave angry and come with lust and leave with lust and a chip on your shoulder and leave with a chip on your shoulder and you're repenting, but nothing ever changes. I think it's because there's times where we really need to change and open our eyes and hearts to what God is trying to say. He says here, humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. I think what, what James is trying to do here is actually take us slowly along a process. So the first thing he says is clean out your ears, get the sin out of your heart and mind so you can hear. Then he uses these words and he says, humbly accept the word, humbly. Humility is such a tough thing, isn't it? I mean, really? I, I don't know, though. When you, when you come to a place in Christ where you realize, I need to repent and I need to get these things out of my life, what happens is when you, when you are willing to fully repent, and that song, that middle song we sang where it says, that we surrender. Sometimes what we need to surrender is actually pride. And we need to be honest about what's inside and say, God, I'm gonna actually lay it all out there. I mean, nobody wants to do that, right? I mean, it's way more comfortable just to be private and to, to hide a few things and not be honest about who we are and our thought life and, and who we are and what we've said and our desires. I mean, but the fact is, once those motives are actually uncovered and, and in front of him, they can actually be clean. I don't want to get, I wrote this, well, I'm gonna, I'll say it. Maybe this has never happened to you. It's never happened to me, I'm sure, either. But have you ever had a sore that just needed to be cleaned out? It's gross, huh? I know, I'm sorry. But it's graphic, but it can't heal unless it is. And there's a painful process in that, and nobody wants to admit that. I mean, it's just, but what's the point? It's not to expose you and to be, embarrass you or to, just uncover all secrets. The point is God wants you healed and whole. And sometimes that's what it takes. I, 
I, I read this and I thought, well, duh, that's just so obvious. You realize a proud person can't actually even repent because their pride will help them from being honest, the honesty that it takes to be honest enough to say, this is who I really am. It's kind of like in counseling, you can't really get well if you can't admit what you need. You can't really, really be forgiven if you can't admit the sin. He uses that word, he says, to accept. He says, to accept the word. And that word accept that he uses, he's, it, it, it's got the picture of when you accept a guest in to your house. Have you ever been a guest in somebody's house, but you didn't feel like you were welcome? Like you couldn't touch anything and you, you, you walk in and they got those little soaps you're not really supposed to use, but like, well, where's the soap? What am I supposed to do? And they've got the towel that you're not supposed to use. And I've used them before and Nicola said, I can't believe you used that towel. What towel? It was right there by the sink. But that's not the towel you're supposed to use. Now, I had, I had to refold it. Don't touch that again. Like, oh, my gosh. I can't be in this house. It's not a real house. It's not a real bathroom. What am I supposed to do? I'm not welcome, right? You know what I'm talking about? But if you're going to welcome the word into your heart, it means you need to really open up and be honest about some things and transparent. And that's a different way than we're used to being. It comes down to this. Are you actually teachable? Have you heard that word before? You know, some people, what it means is that you're open enough to learn. Some people, you, you know people like this, that they know it all already and they can't learn anything. It's like they don't want to hear anything you have to say. And sometimes we're like that, unfortunately, maybe with our spouses even, where I, I don't mind learning, but I just don't want to hear it from her, right? Some children are like that with their parents. You know, I've talked to parents who, who they're like, I cannot sell them anything. Would you mind talking to my kid? He'll listen to you. And it breaks my heart. I mean, I don't want that relationship with my own child, but I know that's reality in a lot of ways where they need to hear, but they're not willing to hear it from them. But are you willing to hear it from God? Are you willing to open up your heart and be taught by him, teachable? Sometimes, you know, he uses these, look at this, he says. He uses that term planted. The word is planted in our hearts. And I was thinking about that, and I, I know I've talked about being like in gardening and that stuff before, but I was thinking about the fact that you know, if you're using that analogy of the word being planted, and then Jesus tells that story about the seeds that are planted, and he talks about the seeds that are cast by the farmer, and some of the seeds fa fall on good soil, some on hard rock, some on weeds, and, and because of that, not all of it grows. And if you take that analogy and think about the filth in your ears, and that needs to be pulled out, and then he talks about the planting, I think about how sometimes there's weeds that need to be pulled so that the, the seed of God's word can actually flourish. But that's up to you. You choose it. If you want to leave your heart in the condition it's in, you can. But God wants to do so much more and deliver us from guilt and sin and condemnation, and that will only happen if you allow him to clean that out. So are you willing to hear his word with an open heart? Are you willing to do that? Here's what he says. James is always so practical. You have to respond actually by doing something. And what he says to do is don't just listen, but you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourselves. Fooling yourselves. I read this quote, the most dangerous lie we tell is the ones we tell to ourselves. I mentioned, I touched on it Sunday, but the fact that a lot of times there's hidden things even from us. And we hide things from the world. But the sad thing is when you hide things from yourself and you tell yourself lies, it's scary. And I, I, was, I was reading, I saw this, I thought it was interesting. In 1 John, there's three places where he calls us out on the lies we tell. He says, uh, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship. We do lie. 
We lie if we say one thing and do another. He says two verses later, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. Then in two verses later, if we claim we have not sinned, I mean, we lie like that all the time, don't we? We lie to ourselves and we feel like we're better than we are and we're not honest. And if we're not gonna be honest, then the word can't do what God intends to do. And the word is a powerful thing if you will let it do its job. You might be familiar with this verse in Hebrews. Or or no, in Psalms first it says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from all these faults. And then in Hebrews it says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. For he is the one to whom we are all accountable. What James is saying, and I think it fits directly with Hebrews is, the word of God is that thing. And if you will allow it to come in, if you will cleanse yourself, open yourself up, it will do these things and speak to you in a way that nothing else will. It will do these things in your heart. But that you have to be willing to be rebuked. and who, Who likes being rebuked and corrected? Oh, my goodness. Nobody likes that. But we have to be willing to do that. We have to be willing to learn. Maybe you, maybe you experience this maybe the first time on a job or maybe times when you're in your life where you're trying to learn something. You just say, hey, I don't know anything. You need to teach me everything. Act like I don't know a thing. I heard somebody the other day, they're like, talk to me like I'm an idiot. And then the person started explaining and they're like, okay, more, what's more than an idiot? Talk to me like that. <laughs> I just started laughing because I thought how honest of them. They want to learn and they're not understanding. So say it how I can understand. Then moving on in James, it says, for if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, but forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. He, he's, he's trying to tell us that the Bible is a, is a mirror. The Bible's a mirror. And I think most guys are probably like me. You know, I, I probably look in a mirror once a day, maybe. <laughs> You know, but I don't have a lot to, to work on anymore. It's kind of how it is. You know, I don't, it's not like I'm worried about hair being out of place or anything or whatever. But um, most of us too, guys, I, could, I think I speak for most guys, we look at it and we're like, ah, close enough. That'll do. Am I right? Most of us, right? That's not what he's talking about. If you're going to actually look in it like a mirror, he's saying you need to really look in it. You shouldn't just look and then walk away and forget what you look like, but instead look at it. How many times do we actually go to the scriptures and as we're reading, we say, God, speak to me through this. I want to see what you want to say and let it speak into my heart and let the word do what Hebrews said and actually cut in. I don't want to be cut. No one likes being cut. <laughs> Look into it like a mirror. I remember my mom got one of those fancy makeup mirrors. You guys remember those? You might still have one. I don't know. But it was really funny. We used to play with it all the time, and she'd get so mad because they're like, you're going to wear the batteries out. But it had three settings. It had like a daylight setting. You guys ever seen these? It had a sun setting. I mean, it was so bright. You could already look in it. It would like blind you. And then your, your, I mean, your skin looks so different in that. And it had a magnifying thing. And then it had a night one, like if, if she was going out for the night, to, how to do her makeup for going out, I guess. I don't know. You guys ever looked at those? It's kind of freaky, isn't it? When you look and you're like, oh, my gosh. Can anybody see what I'm seeing right now? It's so magnified. You see all the pores and you see all the imperfections. You're like, I didn't even know I had a hair there. And that's the kind of mirror God wants to be, but not obviously your face. He's talking about your soul and your heart. And he wants to 
to, to let the word itself look into you and see you different so you don't forget. So when the word says love one another, you remember that as you walk away and pray without ceasing and always rejoice and in everything give thanks. I do want to leave you with this. Are you teachable? Is your heart open? Are you willing to learn from him? Are you willing to be corrected? Are you willing to repent? Here's the good news. This is one of the best things about it. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew and go to Bible college and do all this stuff. The thing is that we, we, the Bible, is, it speaks to us on every level. I mean, I see children reading it and they understand and I see adults read it and understand. The thing is, if you want to understand, God will speak to you through it no matter what. Certainly, you can go deeper and learn more. That's always the case. But the fact is, you don't have to. The fact is, it was written for common people to read. I mean, the fact is, it's supposed to be something that's simple and we can understand. It's not supposed to. God's not trying to trick us. He wants you to understand it. What it does require is a willing and open heart. That's what it requires. So I'm going to have you do this for a minute. I just want you to shut your eyes. And Dave, if you could put some music on. And The heart of the problem is the heart. It's always the heart. It always comes back to the heart. Is your heart open? Do you want to learn? Do you want to hear from him? If you do, you will. Because you can read the Bible morning and you can listen to it all afternoon and still be unchanged in the evening. Or you can let the Bible read you. And you can let it challenge your thoughts and convict your heart and change the way you behave. I want to challenge you. Get and find a version that you'll actually read. Get a plan that works for you, something that, that you can stick to. Don't get hung up on whether or not you finished what it says that day. I haven't, I haven't even finished mine today. Read more tomorrow than you did today. But the most important thing is prepare your heart to listen and hear from him because he will speak to us. God, as I let these people out here for tonight, I just pray that you would put in them a desire to know you in a deeper way and to be challenged by you in ways that are beyond what they could ever imagine. And I pray as they open your word that you would make it come alive. And I pray, God, as they read it, that it would speak to them in ways that they didn't even anticipate. And as they go to it, God, with their hearts open and their, their minds open, that you would reveal things in them and through them, that you do it exactly what you said, that you would speak to us in all these things. And then not only doing that, that you would change our heart and mind and change our actions ultimately. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you tonight. You are welcome to pray to stay here as long as you want or not. But just God bless you tonight.